Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Let's All Geek Out. We're your hosts Julian, Chris, Mia, Ken is taking the night off, so this week on Geek we're talking everything superheroes. Stick around. Alrighty guys, so we're talking about all things superheroes this week, but before we do that... How the hell was everybody's week? Julian, how are you doing? You sound fantastic. Yeah, I, I feel fantastic, let me tell you. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, I bought Tony Hawk. I did it. I know I said last week I would was not, or I was on the fence about it, but I ended up doing it. Yeah, you said you're going to play 400 other games first. Yeah. yeah. And nope. So either I flew through those 400 games or I said fuck it because I ended up buying Tony Hawk. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume positive intent there and say that you you played 400 games this week. So let's talk about each and every one in detail. <laughs> let's get in depth 20 minute reviews per one. <laughs> so first off, or, original Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I I bought Tony Hawk like two days after we recorded because I was like, you know what, I'm just just gonna play it. It's just a nice casual game, and I'm not gonna get super sucked into it. Nope completely different yeah i'm I'm stuck into it i'm going through i'm getting all the secret tapes i'm hitting all the sick combos i'm hitting you know i'm I'm in completionist mode but i love every minute of it it's it's so fun it's it's a childhood again yeah it's it's such a good remake it kept everything that was good about the originals and it just added on you know it's crazy to do stuff in tony hawk one that you didn't do till you know tony hawk three or underground like the the wall rides to the the wallies and stuff like that, or nose man going through the warehouse, like or the, the vert tricks, you know, we just kind of go up on the lip and stuff. It's 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 great, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 around that line between either a remaster or a remake. It's somewhere kind of in between. Yeah, and I hope that they go along. And uh, I've seen some rumors and stuff that said that they were going to go ahead with the whole game and do Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three. Ooh. Um, which which would be super interesting, man. I mean, those three were just the golden trilogy back in the day, right? What ended up making me buy it was after I beat Ghost and I was just kind of chilling for my PlayStation a little bit, I started watching a bunch of like YouTube videos and I watched direct comparisons about the level layouts. And then I watched some like 30-minute documentary on Tony Hawk from back in the day, like a complete history of all the games oh, and wow. how they went from some fantastic skating in, in the first one to just junk mm-hmm. <laughs> the last couple of them, man. American Wasteland and yeah. uh, what is that one? Tony Hawk's Ride or whatever on the Wii with the little board. <laughs> I was still working at GameStop when those things came out too. And the stack of skateboards that we had as a result from people trading that piece of shit in was just, <laughs> oh my God. It, it would have been interesting as those skateboards were more useful to other applications other than Tony Hawk. Like, could you imagine playing like Mario Kart on the snowboard, skateboard, just kind of sliding around? <laughs> People do that, though. People have beaten Dark Souls using old DDR pads. So I would not be surprised if someone was able to take the Tony Hawk ride skateboard and use it to beat like Sekiro or something. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some people do that with like the uh, Guitar Hero guitars and they're mm. playing stuff like that like neo and whatnot <laughs> yep and every time i see stuff like that, it's a combination of impressive and how did you come up with that being an idea like that's just <laughs> it's the weirdest thing for me like it's it's definitely more respect than anything else but at the same time it's like were you just kind of like sitting around your fucking apartment looking around at all your shit and going like 
I'm going to mix that thing with that thing. Like when you're, when you're drunk and you're trying to I think mix that's around, exactly like, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like what happens when you mix tequila and mayo? Let's find out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like, uh, the, the way we're at in the world now, I mean, you, people try to make something out of everything. I mean, look at that news article from a couple of weeks back where the guy made Doom playable in the pregnancy test, right? I granted, saw that. That was amazing. <laughs> granted, he like gutted the thing and, and hooked up some custom little processor and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is he's playing Doom on that little itty bitty tiny pregnancy test. Yep. <laughs> Congratulations. It's a demon. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so I've just been uh, playing... Is playing a lot of Tony Hawk, uh, trying to relax a little bit. I ended up getting sick or, you know, with all this smoke and horrible air quality and all that stuff, it finally came around to just kind of kick my ass. So uh, for everybody listening, that's why I sound a little congested and kind of off a little bit as I've been dealing with the cold the last couple of days. So uh, I seem to be on the, the good side of it. So hopefully I wake up tomorrow and I'm great. <laughs> that's the spirit. But we'll see. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll, I tried to go hiking today. I've been talking about that for the last three weeks or so. Uh, last night was the first night and me and my wife figured it out over a year that we've just had a night, just the two of us. So, um, we, we tried to capitalize it off this morning by going hiking and we went up to where the trailhead starts and the roads closed off because of the fires. Oh, they, no. they, sh- they shut everything down. So I drove hour and 20 minutes just to run into a giant road close sign oh, no. <laughs> yeah sucks. it was rough but <laughs> oh well it, it's it's fine so it was it's fun because after that you know we turned around and i mean at the end of the day we got the, a nice scenic drive through you know the forest and stuff like that and, and just kind of got to spend some one-on-one time together so it was real nice but... that's a spirit yeah. aside from that it's been a pretty uh it's been a pretty quiet week what about you mia um <laughs> Well, uh, half of the week, I just basically spent recovering from last weekend's drinking. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Monday and Tuesday, I felt like death. I basically slept till 11 o'clock and then at like 3 o'clock, I had a nap again because I just, my brain just didn't want to be awake. Um, but yeah, no, otherwise, I mean, doing pretty well, baked a pudding again and obviously had to consume it because you know um <laughs> that's what you do obviously <laughs> um, you don't just make the pudding and then just throw it away yeah no i mean <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense <laughs> what are you a madman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just a bit of baking and um watching a lot of nonsense um well it's probably not nonsense but watching a lot of uh, Twitch lately with people playing full guys because I just find it so entertaining how people just go completely feral when they play that mm-hmm. game. You know, the amount of swearing and like, you know, just sh- shouting at random people who you obviously don't know. Just so that's that, that was my week basically. <laughs> <laughs> that, that game is something else. It, it makes you. As simple as it is, it makes you go simple. Like, you know what I mean? You get so mad that you can't even yes. speak anymore. <laughs> I mean, I get it's so surprising because, I mean, it's like people that I've watched for a very long time and, you know, they've played through, through other games and stuff. And then, but this one, because there's a lot of people that get a bit sour if they don't make it and then they like uh, push you off the platforms or, you know, um, sabotage you basically. 
and the way that people just completely freak out it's it's so funny to me how they just like go shit you know (laughs) 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 swearing around it's like okay (laughs) but they it's because they were so close to getting that crown yeah but i mean is the crown really all that yes is it oh okay (laughs) i'm just checking (laughs) i have not got one on that yet i haven't played it that much i kind of go on and off with it right the last time i played it uh i do all right i you know i have fun with it and stuff like that and there's always a level that makes me quit and say you know what i'm i'm fucking done like (laughs) there's that there's that level that's the slime climb or whatever where you just kind of zigzag up the course to just avoid the slide right coming up oh yeah and i can never fucking pass that part it drives me crazy i will take my time and there's always some little ledge that pushes me off into the goo oh, or somebody shit. throws me off into the goo or I just <laughs> suck. <laughs> I'm going to lean toward the uh, ladder and just say, I just suck. But <laughs> after that, I, it's, it's, I give up. I say, I'm done. And there's only been a couple of times that I've made it to like the final round. And oh, I swear, God. sometimes I run those courses like seamlessly, like I'm dodging and ducking and everything. I'm there. I can see the damn crown. And there's somebody that's, somehow 10 seconds ahead of me oh i don't know how (laughs) yeah that sucks so bad because it's like yeah i'm doing so old and like eliminated like what you know (laughs) (laughs) trying to get a crown uh on fall guys is equivalent to trying to get a ps5 on thursday (laughs) god that wasn't that the biggest cluster of the week jesus Uh, christ my god man (laughs) lucky i mean Chris, you got one, but I, I try and trying as I might, couldn't get one. Uh, you know, normally the baby doesn't go to sleep till one o'clock. So I thought maybe I could get on uh, at midnight and, and secure one at Best Buy or Walmart or something like that. She fell asleep at 11 o'clock. So I fell asleep at 11 o'clock, <laughs> woke up in the morning, was like, well, I might get lucky. Nope. Completely wiped out. <laughs> but that's the important mean- thing is I have one. I was about that to ask, yeah. So, um, so you got a PS five? Yep. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Thanks to uh, Julian informing me that uh, Walmart was going to be selling uh, some more around six p.m. Uh, our time in California. I did what everybody I think normally does. Like you have the like the product page up, and then you just start hitting that refresh button oh, yes. like yeah. constantly. And it was a little touch and go at first, just because. Um, it was like I would run into like an error where it'd be like, oh, hey, there's a problem with your order. Please uh, refresh and I'd refresh, but then it would go through. It's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> then I would get to like the enter my address and there was another error. And... Oh, no. And then you're thinking like you're cursed at this point. Yeah. But uh, fortunately, I was able to, uh, I got lucky and was able to get through and boom. So, yep, I am uh, come November the 12th. So, less than two months from now, I'll be the proud owner of a PS5. Very nice. Oh, that is very yeah. nice, yeah. Hmm. And I, and I will be in a Royal Rumble at the local Target <laughs> trying to get one. I've already made that determination. Told my wife, I said, I'm taking the day off and I'm going to go to Target and I'm just going to fight through if you can get one. I was on that website, that Walmart website, the exact same time Chris was. We were talking two minutes before it went live and I was refreshing it and I was able to grab one, put it in my cart, put my name in, put my address in. And when I went to confirm my payment method, which I had already pre-filled out, so I should have been able to buy that PlayStation in less than 30 seconds. When I went to confirm my payment information, it was gone. 
They sold out in 27 seconds. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and since that Sony has apologized for it too, because they, they were very, very clear in that they were very not clear about when the pre-orders were going to go up. Uh, you had to be following either like Jeff Keighley or Sony on Twitter to find out that you had to wait until the, the next day to do the pre-orders. But then all the retailers just went, fuck that noise. And uh, just start selling them all super early. And then it caused all the, the chaos. So they are promising more pre-orders will be available soon, which is promising. So hopefully by the time this video is up and, uh, and on the interwebs that you will have already gotten yours by then. But yeah, it was, I don't want, it's, I don't want to say the d- disaster, but, yeah. Wasn't the best. No. Um, and then, like, it does give Microsoft such an edge because now they, they get to take their sweet time with it and they get to say, like, oh, you know, like, we'll be available, like, you know, whenever. Like, they get to set a set date and time and then, like, their launch will go much smoother. Yeah. But is yeah. it, like, I I just can't find myself to care enough about the the new Xbox. I think because I'm a PC gamer and all their, their titles will come out on PC anyway. But, yeah, if I... <laughs> Between that and Game Pass, I'm just so the Xbox itself doesn't excite me. The Game Pass is in, definitely intriguing, but like I just don't see from an economic standpoint like how that's profitable. I I just can't wrap my head around it. I've read tons of conversations and stuff like that, but you know even just simple math is you have ten people that pay ten dollars a month, right? That's a hundred bucks that you're making, and a new game comes out. And that game comes out on Game Game Pass day one, and it retails normally for $70 in this generation. If they sold a copy to all 10 of those people, they would make $700, but instead it's $100. So it's a net loss of $600 just in that small example to try to be like, there you go. Like this is is great. It's great for gamers, but from an economic standpoint, I don't see how it's going to be sustainable long-term. I, I don't know either, but it seems to be working, uh, though, too. And I think the, the idea behind it could be, like, it is gonna it is a numbers game where you just have that many people, and it is just the constant fee fortune. I think it, if you look at it more from, like, the longer term, it's kind of almost like your gym membership, where it's going to be, like, you're going to sign up for it, and even if you don't ever use your Xbox, you're going to forget to renew the subscriptions, and then you're going to be like, ah, well, screw it, or whatever. So I think in the the very grand scheme of things, yeah, you, they're. I think that's how they'll be able to get their money for it. Hmm. Um, but I think it's just like from the immediacy for it too. Is this with the PS Five now? No, we're uh, with the Xbox, about the, ga- the Game Pass. Ah, okay. yeah, and how that? Uh, I don't see how it's profitable from an you know economic standpoint. Yeah, I, I think it's just more like the. I think that long term kind of uh, planning that they have for it. Like they may not see the immediate profit, but I think the the other hand too is also it's almost kind of like the way that Amazon operates too, where it's, it's less about them making money and making sure the other guys don't. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, so, so yeah, would you rather spend the $60 to get it on the PS4 or $70 to get it on the PS5? Or uh, would you rather just spend the $10 and get to keep it on your Xbox and not get it on PlayStation ever? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've both taken very different strategies this generation. I feel right yeah. like so sony's just trying to double up on the compo exclusives i mean even with the final fantasy 16 and stuff but uh and, and microsoft's just like fuck it play whatever yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange it's i can't wait until november to see how this all starts playing out right right it, it's gonna be uh this is gonna be kind of the interesting year 
just because like it is going to be these new console launches and they have just been released in very different manners too like i think for some reason like the the general buzz uh and everything i've seen on like on twitter or on the people who i follow like there is more excitement for the playstation 5 than i think there's the xbox but the xbox like launch so far is going considerably smoother and i think it, overall now has a much more positive buzz because of game pass because of how they're handling their launch that they're offering the two different models and Hmm. even despite all that like i am like when i see spider-man miles morales i'm way more excited for that or even like the the fucking sackboy adventure game like i was like (laughs) okay you know what i will i will give that a shot like i'm way more inclined to play that versus waiting to see what xbox is going to launch out next because I, I, again, because for me, it's like I technically I already have my Xbox uh, with my rig. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah. I and I looked at a comparison, you know, one for one of the launch titles that are coming out, and it really seems like a majority of the stuff on the Xbox is third party stuff, right? Nothing. Yeah. Which that is special. That is what like makes the system ride or die at this point now, too. I mean, Nintendo is such a great example of that, where like first party can only get you so far, no matter how good it is. Like the N64 was, or the, I'm sorry, uh, that's not my, my good example. The Wii had some really good games on there. It really did, but it had such garbage third party support. Overall was just not a good console. Uh, and same thing for, for me, honestly, with the Wii U as well. Like it just, it had some really good stuff on there, but it just had so much shovelware and so much garbage that it just kind of ruined it. And I think it's one of the other reasons why I think the Switch has just done so much better as a result, because it has the third-party support. It's got the good first party. It just has a shit online. Yep. Mm. <laughs> as soon as I saw the online for the Switch be like the mobile app companion for all the chatting and stuff like that, that I was like... such a nightmare. <laughs> I was like, damn it, Nintendo. Like, you always get so close. <laughs> and yep. then you do something just, out, just too far out there. <laughs> I still do, don't understand why they think friend codes are a good idea in 2020. I really don't. I don't know why they don't just say, create a My Nintendo account, give yourself a screen name, first come, first serve to get to get your uh, your name locked in. That's all they got to do. That's it. And all this friend code bullshit is gone. But they ain't doing it. Nope. Hmm. Instead, they want you to be number 263-127-483-1121. That's yep. you. <laughs> Good old <It's>, screen name. <laughs> yeah. The most like frustrating online system I've ever seen. Yep. But you know what? The, the I had so much fun on the Wii U with the um, was it the Picto Chat, where you could like talk to somebody and then it, it was like almost like a FaceTime with the Wii U controller, and then you could like doodle on yourself and stuff. <laughs> yep. Uh, such a family friendly console and just so fun, but there's just some things that make me pull my hair out, man. Yeah, Nintendo's good at that, but at the same time, like they've never gotten to the point where like, okay, I'm I'm done with you now, like. It's always just like, okay, well, it's just Nintendo. It's it's such a, like a weird justification for it. like it's just Nintendo being Nintendo. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. They're not even like in the in the running anymore when you talk about the uh, consoles and all that stuff. Like I seen in some article the other day it was like with all the the major publishers, you know, coming out with their new consoles this season. I'm like, where's the Switch at? Where's the Switch two? <laughs> it's not in there. It's a casual experience, right? It's a companion piece to the playstation 5 or the xbox almost like yeah i have a switch but uh, i play it you know when i'm not playing my playstation it's, it's a good companion accessory and see for, for me like i i honestly like for the the ps4 xbox and switch generation as a whole honestly like i, w- I think i would still give it to playstation as like winning th- this uh generation but i still genuinely think like 
the Switch is in the second place and a very, very close second place, though. Like, there's a lot of just really good things to like about this console. I like, I absolutely like, I'm playing Breath of the Wild uh, again, and it is so much better the second time for me. And I don't really understand why. Um, Mario Odyssey was pretty solid. Like, I'm absolutely loving playing Mario uh, 3D All Stars on this thing, too. It's a it's a genuinely like I, I think an absolutely fantastic uh, console altogether. It it's not perfect by any stretch, which is why I still want, will give PS4 credit for what they've done. But yeah, this thing's solid. Like I think this this absolutely stands on its on its own as its own uh, like as its own thing versus being a companion piece. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, Especially I agree. considering like realistically now too. Like if if I am going to buy a a console game, like nine times out of nine lately, it is because it's a Switch game. Like yeah. I, I can't. I also can't. But that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Though. Like I also can't. I do not remember the last PS4 game I bought. Mm. Like Tony Hawk's this... skater for me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, Switch gets waves and stuff. There's like a, a wave where you get some great first party titles and some good third third party titles, and then you just want to buy a bunch of stuff for it, and then you get this huge dry spell where you get nothing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's a wave again. <laughs> So I feel like we're we're coming into the holiday season, so we're kind of hitting that wave right now, right? With all the Mario right. stuff coming out, the anniversary and and all. That. Oh, that's already yeah, and it's amazing. Like I uh, was playing Mario sixty four before we started recording, and like I remember being really good at this game. Like I I still to this day remember the the moment when I hundred percent of the whole thing got like the full hundred twenty stars. Got to see Yoshi. Was like, oh, oh, oh my god, I did it. Oh, I'm so good at this. And <laughs> playing it again now as an adult and dying constantly. Uh, <laughs> it's like did some, what happened to me i used to be good at this kind of shit but <laughs> like i'm i'm trying to check out like the controls are a little weird like i'm waiting for somebody like to post a review online of the mario 3d saying like oh yeah there's something wrong with the controls they're like that's what it is it's not me it's the game it was just a weird port of it but nope <laughs> nobody said jack shit not it's serious. me yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't carry you can't carry that little penguin around on the ice level <laughs> <laughs> literally the level i was doing before i hit record uh, i hate that level so much <laughs> oh man but chime did we ask you what you were up to this week chris yeah. <laughs> it's been that it's been playing mario 3d all-stars i've been playing final fantasy 14 i was able to accomplish something i have never done before in an mmo game which was to get max level with a tank so my gunbreaker is now officially level 80 which for me is super exciting because i never thought i'd, I'd do something mm. like that i've always played a dps character because I always thought it was way more fun just to kind of go pew pew and not have to worry about mechanics a whole lot. But yeah. playing a tank actually in 14 has been an absolute blast. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that I just love this game so much, but it's probably a lot of it is just that. But it's it was really cool. Um, hmm. So now I'm going to start actually start working on a healer class and see what that life is all about, which I'm sure is going to be just zero stress about keeping an entire party alive. <laughs> you got that it's not that better breeze right it'll be fine yeah you won't have to worry about it like they, they can take care of themselves i'm overthinking it better stock up on potions <laughs> yeah uh like I said, playing a lot of the mario all-star stuff and just kind of reliving my childhood and the last thing uh, that i just actually started playing today is uh the new battle royale game spell ba- uh I almost said spellbound spell break which yeah. is uh absolutely taking up all my time today that's all i've done is just played through uh, that game and i i hate hate competitive shooters like overwatch was kind of a weird exception because of it was the it was just so co- colorful and fun and it was basically like playing a pixar game 
I played a little bit of Apex Legends for like maybe about the first month when it first came out and was was kind of digging it, but then lost interest. But um, I still kind of got that same kind of feeling as I got when I played Overwatch playing Spellbound because of just the surprising amount of depth that the game has. Mm. Like just the the mechanics of realizing like you can combine different spells uh, together to create like uh, interesting combos, like creating like fire tornadoes or causing like a floor that's covered in acid to explode. No, that's pretty cool, actually. It's really fun. And the fact that it is a free uh, a free game that is not uh, does not have a free-to-play model attached to or uh, I'm sorry, pay-to-win model attached to it is fantastic. It is entirely skill-based. There is a microtransaction store, but it's not the end of the world bad or frustrating. It's just okay. like you, you can um, you can purchase uh, cosmetics, but that's it. There's no like, oh, you know, level up faster or, you know, your spells do double damage. Nothing like that. Thank God. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So sometimes you feel like, you know, they have an unfair advantage if they are, you know, purchasing something. Right. It's like the Star Wars Battlefront uh, 2 sort of debacle where it was, if you really wanted to, to do well online, you had to shell out probably an extra $250 in microtransactions oh, just no, to keep up. Something. Yeah, it was, oh, that was such a bad, uh, a, such a waste of a good game overall. Oh. But yeah, I, 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 it's, I've actually had enough fun with it where I actually genuinely do feel like I would be comfortable, like, purchasing uh some of their online credit just so i can uh upgrade my character and just to show support for the game because i would i would like to see this game have like multiple seasons and update maps and have new spells uh because you don't actually get to create new characters you always you're basically just trying to create your avatar and that's it it's always about Mm. upgrading um just your cosmetics that's the only thing that you're uh besides like upping your levels that's what you're going for you're going for uh change your cosmetics like when you're when you're floating down from from the sky like every battle royale does like what's kind of like the after effect of it or your nameplate stuff like that um okay and like and like little decorations and stuff like that like i would spend 10 bucks for for the amount of enjoyment i've had with it yeah but that's sweet i mean like you said you want to support the game so um from that aspect that's pretty cool yeah. But if you have to shell out money every time you want to, you know, level up or you want to get better at the game, that's just not cool. Yeah. So the that that was kind of one of the things I heard kind of heard start happening to Apex Legends too. Like when it first started off, it had that really just really strong introduction, and then they kind of started screwing things up when they started doing additional seasons and battle passes, and then even like when you would buy the battle passes that uh, or unlock the extra maps. Then you also had to play an absurd amount in order to get uh, certain cosmetics, or you yeah. could just buy them, uh, oh. or you could buy the cosmetics oh. to unlock the biggest, the, like the ultimate one. So you still actually end up hemorrhaging money. And it was set up in such a way that unless you were just taking that that month off, or you would just basically like get up, go to work, go home, and play nonstop, it was almost impossible. Um, yeah, to accomplish that. So I'm hoping that uh, Spellbreak does not do anything like that, where it's just. They keep it purely skill based. They keep it where just the cosmetics are reasonably earned. Yeah. And just just keep it simple. Yeah, but it was funny because everyone was playing playing Apex Legends, and then now no one is playing it. Yeah, I don't like. I don't really hear people talking about it anymore now. Too. I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't had yeah, a chance to look it up. Hmm? I say yeah, yeah, me either. Like it's it's kind of had its time in the sun, and now, now there's this one. And I mean, people still play Fortnite. Yeah, people are still playing CSGO and stuff like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that basically came in. Everyone was playing it for like a while and now no one's playing it. So, it's just interesting yeah. how, you know, they've basically, um, did, they basically did it to themselves, you know. Yeah. It's kind of sad. A little bit. So, I could be wrong. Anybody uh, listening to this, like, let us know in uh, in the comments or let us know on social media if, if, if I'm completely wrong on that. Uh, and people are actually are still actively playing 
uh, or if there's still an actively strong uh, Apex Legends base, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, but aside from that, like, so like the the main topic for uh for the rest of this podcast is going over like superheroes. So whether you've been a comic book reader all your life, if you've been somebody who started with a Tim Burton Batman series, playing through or with the uh, the MCU and the all the other offshoots in the uh, cinematic universe that come out there, it's easy now to say that you have a favorite superhero at this point. Um, it's always kind of interesting to kind of discuss as to why they're interesting, why you have this particular favorite. I think that that's probably the best way to kind of start off the topic is what is everybody's favorite superhero and why? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Mia, why don't you get us started? Uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about this all week. You've had a full week to think about this. Uh-uh. You know what the weird thing is, though, is obviously um, growing up, I mean, we you you knew Superman existed and you knew Batman existed and stuff like that, but you weren't really... I mean, it, it, it wasn't such a massive thing like, oh, like, who's your favorite, you know? Um, so I was actually trying to think about it because obviously with all the stuff happening um, where you had, the like, the Avengers and you had... Um, damn it! Now I'm a complete blank on the other one. But we all of a sudden, like, you are inundated with all these superheroes. Like, you had the X Men also popping out out of nowhere, and you know, it's funny because for me, I never really, I, I was never really into that. But the thing that I really enjoyed, um, the the Batman movie that came out when I was young, and that's the one that had Val Kilmer in it. So it was Batman Forever. So for me, my first experience with superhero, quote unquote, movie was was that one. And it was so over the top. It was delightfully cheesy. I mean, it was such a, what you expect from from like a Batman movie, because they always just went completely whack in one direction. <laughs> so that was so interesting for me to, when, when um, Batman um, Forever, is it Batman Forever? Mm-hmm. The ones with Christian Bale. Oh, when uh, those ones came out, yeah. So th- they were so gritty, and they were very much the new league of um, superhero movies, where it was more reality based. Not reality. It was. It was yeah. not. It wasn't crazy. It's something that you could see happening, or you could, you know, get behind. It wasn't this like over the top fantasy world that these people lived in. That was just completely whack yeah. you know you mean the, like, the costumes uh, oh sorry you mean like uh arnold schwarzenegger in the mr freeze costume in the actual batman forever <laughs> just way exactly. over the top that was batman and robin <laughs> oh was it yeah Which batman one? forever was with uh the riddler and two-face oh yeah yeah yes. that's with jim carrey yeah. as the riddler uh-huh yes yeah, yeah that was yeah that was uh the first time joel schumacher uh got his hands on the property and yeah <laughs> It did not but it was crazy. <laughs> it was. It was a very strange film. Um, <laughs> and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff behind it was pretty interesting, too. Uh, apparently, at one point, Tommy Lee Jones, who played Two-Face, uh, went up and kind of did like that handshake hug thing uh, towards Jim Carrey and said, and just kind of whispered in his ear, like, I hate you. I just hate you so much. Because um, <laughs> you, you, you have somebody like Tommy Lee Jones, who's always played the, like, the straight character, who's granted he's playing a very silly role. Yes, but to, but then to then still have somebody like Jim Carrey, who is a at the time was like a living cartoon character. Yes, like, you're gonna piss off somebody like Tommy Lee Jones like that. That would be like if all of a sudden, like if Clint Eastwood, like ran into like Carrot Top, 
Like, oh, goodness. <laughs> they're too different. And yeah, they're not, like, one's not going to like the other. Oh, no, definitely. Real clash of uh, personalities there. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was so much fun to watch that, though. I loved that one, though, as a kid. I really, really yeah. did. And I think because they were the lighthearted ones, too, versus uh, even like the Michael Keaton stuff was a bit heavy. Yeah. But the outfits and stuff like that was always so entertaining to me. Like, for example, the, the one that you just mentioned. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman in that one, if I'm not mistaken. In Batman Returns, yeah, the second one. Yeah, and that outfit was not great. You know? Oh, you didn't <laughs> it like it? in the movie. I, I did not oh, yeah. think that that was a good look. <laughs> I was all about that costume as a kid. Really? <laughs> but, like, I... I've seen uh, pictures and videos of Michelle Pfeiffer. Like she is still, ab- she's gorgeous still. Absolutely, one hundred percent, just stunning. Um, so I said that really intensely too. Yes, you did. <laughs> but so like, she's <laughs> no, uh, no, she's gorgeous. Because uh, I think she's in her late fifties, early sixties at this point. But she's still absolutely a knockout. No, she is. No, she is but, absolutely. But yeah, that, I think I think that was like an, a very iconic look for it. Uh, all that being yeah, said, I think it's I think everyone has that image ingrained in their minds. But I mean, for me, I just think that was such a because of the fact that the leather was shiny. Mm-hmm. You know, thinking back of like fashion and stuff like that, shiny leather is not always such a great look, especially if you're kitted out with it from head to toe. So you know, it it's for me, it was kind of <laughs> a bit of a silly look, but. Um, yeah, no, basically, if you think about it, Batman and Superman were the superheroes that we basically were exposed to for a very long time. I mean, th- those were the ones that were around. Yeah, they, they are like the iconic superheroes for a lot of folks. Yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden you got the influx of like the X-Men and all of that hap- that happened. And then um, basically from there, just the Avengers and all of that um that franchise that started happening and those were fantastically well done. I mean, the fact that you had the same actors who were in the, in the first one all the way through the series till now. And I think that is a, just a wonderful feat of engineering that these people actually stayed with the franchise. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because I mean, how many Batmans has there been? So imagine, you know, um, if it was all the same, person would it have been different you know yeah well i mean there there were a couple of uh cast changes so like uh edward norton was initially the incredible hulk but then they recast him due to uh due to some uh disputes between like script writing because edward norton wanted like total control and marvel was like no we're not giving you total control dude (laughs) and uh terrence howard was initially uh roadie uh, but then again, he also had contract disputes too because he wanted to make more money for Iron Man too. Mm. And they're like, "No, we're going to give the money to Robert Downey Jr., you know, the star of the film." And then Terrence Howard like lost his mind, <laughs> and uh, then it ended up going to Don Cheadle. Yeah, who's done pretty well in that role as uh, yeah. a war machine. Yeah, he was uh, like, "I love me some Don Cheadle. That dude's fantastic." Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, so basically, to sum it up, I think that. Um... Not necessarily my favorite, but one that I am most familiar with, definitely um, Batman, because also he didn't have any superpowers. He He's not um, weird in the sense that he has some freaky ability or something. It's basically just playboy dude with a lot of money and, you know, 
toys. Yeah. <laughs> Where does he get all those wonderful toys? <laughs> to uh, to quote Duke Nukem, right? He's there to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and he's all out of bubble gum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no. Uh, there, there's that's no not Duke Nukem. Is that not Duke Nukem? No, that's working uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper in uh, They Live. Oh my God. <laughs> I think Duke Nukem may have, may have stolen that one, but yeah, that was initially Rowdy Roddy. Oh my God. My childhood is completely ruined now because I remember playing Duke Nukem Total Meltdown and hearing him say that and being like, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I will send you the clip later, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's a stolen line. Wow. <laughs> Your life is a lie, Julian. <laughs> I know. Duke Nukem's not the only one that had a Total Meltdown, now I'm having one yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I think out of like, uh, if you do direct comparisons between like DC and Marvel, I've always liked Batman more than like Iron Man, right? Iron Man would essentially be the counterpart, just some rich person that doesn't have any special abilities. just got a lot of money. And like Batman used all of his money to learn a shit ton of martial arts and yeah. how to kick the shit out of people and made himself a car, a motorcycle and an airplane, just in case he needed to get around somewhere. Uh, and then Iron Man's like, well, I'm just going to build a suit. We have this suit do yeah. all the an- analytics and everything. And oh, 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 look at that. Bam. Drop you down because <laughs> my suit analyzes your fight patterns and stuff like that. You know, and I'm saying that the way Iron Man is, is is wrong or anything like that. But I much prefer the way Batman went with it. Where he's like, I'm just going to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, I'm just going to show up. Maybe I'll tie you up and kick your ass. I don't know. But I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so then that means you have not read the, the Batman comics where Batman built himself a mech suit then. <laughs> I've seen uh, I've seen some stuff here and there, yeah. Yeah, like Batman's gotten uh, like I like I grew up with uh, and I've read a ton of Batman, but yeah, they Batman had his weird moments too. Oh yeah, and then even uh, what I like too about uh, Batman stuff was all his villains were really like they had they were all deep, right? They all had yeah. reasonings for the re- what they were doing. You know, Mister Freeze mainly like that, right? Because of his wife and anything like that, and trying to. Uh, find a way to save her. Um, Two Face, right? Was was a criminal criminal defense lawyer, or no? He's a prosecutor, right? Um, uh, yes. Yeah, and who got who got fucked up and then just lost his mind. Joker's just fucking crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, he's just crazy. But everybody, like you know, whether you're reading the comics or watching the movies and stuff like that, everybody in, in Batman stuff has a real depth of of personality uh, behind them. Yeah, I watched this thing. Um, I, I want to say it was like the DC uh, villains documentary, where the the theory behind a lot of the uh, of the rogues gallery has been because Batman is such a complex character. Like they took aspects of each of uh, each part of him and said, "What would happen if it went corrupt?" So oh. where Batman is super disciplined, the Joker is chaos. So that's why they're the, like the, the iconic for uh, hero villain. Uh, relationship because mm. they just represent exact polar opposites of each other where Bruce Wayne uh, uses money for like uh, essentially for charity and trying to, to take care of Gotham. The penguin is a businessman who is, you know, is basically running working for the, uh, is the mob. Yeah. And you know, Batman is known as for being, you know, absolutely brilliant and this great detective. And then what happens if he was to use that intelligence for evil? Well, then you have the Riddler mm. or, um, you know, the theatricality and uh, approach of instilling fear into people. Then you have like the scarecrow, or you know, like that sense oh, of honor and duty really that awesome Batman has, Ra's al Ghul, things like that. It's basically the intensity of the villain that mm-hmm. brings out 
you know, the characteristic that you admire out of Batman. Yeah. So that's pretty cool oh, that, definitely. you know, that that's that polar opposite of the characteristics that, you know, he's known for. Yeah. And I think that's what kind of makes it interesting too. And the fact they are so nuanced cause because like the Joker, when he, his first appearance, he was meant to be like a one-off, yeah. but it was so well liked uh, by, by the fans that they ended up, you know, making him a, a total, th- uh, like a thing. Oh, and it worked. It absolutely, absolutely worked for uh, for DC. It's been obviously been working for all this time now too. But yeah, like like same thing. Like I love Batman too. But I think it's like a lot of folks. Like I like I read Batman partially just for the the inspiration of like of how to deal with tragedy mm. in a positive manner, positive kind of in quotes. Yeah. Because um, again, there's still an argument to be made for what he's doing is actually in, is very very unhealthy. Well, yeah. But like you end up watching it, or I I read Batman because the villains were so interesting and like so dynamic and nuanced to the point where like a lot of them even had like their own offshoots. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know what? Uh, those Arkham games really did a good job of fleshing out those villains too, like all really the backstories and, and and everything and how it all tied together. I mean, all the way from Arkham Asylum to Arkham Knight, it's 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 great, man. Like. Uh, all the scarecrow stuff with the hallucinogens and the Joker and Batman uh, complex that you had going on through the first two games and everything, and even into the third one, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. It was great. Well, very well done. Yep, I liked most of those games. Yeah, I think uh, Arkham Knight gets a little kind of wonky. Yeah, any game that has like car stealth mechanics is just <laughs> wrong. <laughs> like, hey, you're in this giant tank. Be sneaky. Shh. shh, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> Or when you're doing that uh, tank battle toward the end uh, with mm-hmm. the other two tanks in the city, in a couple city blocks, and you're basically just peeking through the buildings, trying to shoot through little alleyways and stuff to hit them. <laughs> All of it awful. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was such a waste. Yeah, better off without even having the vehicles at all, I think. Yep. And the ending, too. That game just had, I think, one of the most frustrating endings I think I've ever seen in, in, in a game, especially for a series that was that well-beloved, to, to just have such a... Fart in the wind. Uh, sorry, <laughs> it was just. Uh, uh. Yeah, and then I thought, you know, after all this time, uh, there's all those rumors and stuff like the court of owls and all that come in. And I was like, oh great, they're gonna continue the Arkham games. It's gonna be great. And then all of a sudden, bam, you get court the with a Gotham Knight, and he's yep. fucking dead. And I'm like, oh yep. great. <laughs> quote dead it's batman yeah. he'll be back and i mean there's already I, I think the trailer even shows like pretty strong hints that uh bruce wayne's uh is still gonna be around oh yeah but i'm also I, i'm really excited for that one though too because it's, it's gonna have a multiplayer component to it and they, they are gonna be giving each of those uh the four batman characters like like fairly distinct styles too which should make things uh if nothing else interesting to play through yeah i think it'll be fun fun couch co-op or something with the buddy right but yeah but between that and the new Suicide Squad game, like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what's, uh, what's coming up from DC over the next few weeks or a few years. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, who's your favorite, Julian? The bombastic Bagman. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. For uh, people, I said that's a good call out though. <laughs> for for people that don't understand uh, uh, that reference, there was a arc in the spider-man series at one point where he was on the run and kind of had to conceal his identity so he teamed up with the fantastic four for a while uh and he didn't want to show his face and they only had some spare outfits around so he ended up taking a cardboard bag and putting it over his face and drew little spider eyes on it and ran around for a while as the bombastic bag man 
uh, instead of Spider-Man. <laughs> because cool. comics. Yep, and a cool, cool little nod to that in the PlayStation 4 Spider-Man game. It's one of the outfits you can unlock, actually. Yep. But uh, with that, yes, it's, it's Spider-Man, I would say. I've always had a real uh, good relationship with, toward the Spider-Man comics and, and Spider-Man franchise as a whole, right? From Maximum Carnage on the Super Nintendo to reading through the comics in the 90s and the awesome co- uh, show on Fox. Uh, the movies from the Tobey Maguire ones mm. to I even enjoy the Andrew Garfield ones. Fuck me, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed those for what they were. Um, and then in these newer ones with Tom Holland are, are pretty good as well. Different like the tone they're going, but um, it's, it's definitely Spider-Man. It's, it's real relatable, right? Like, yeah. it, it's the same thing how we're talking about with Batman where, you know, Batman's characters were fleshed out to where you, you get like feelings and stuff with them. Like they've always done a real good job with Spider-Man of like fleshing out uh, like his feelings about a situation or his actions actually having consequences, whether it's like someone he cares about actually being drug into the middle of the stuff. I mean, it looks like Gwen Stacy, you know, being killed and later comics, is all tears and stuff like that. Either he dies or, you know, his aunt dies or Mary Jane or something like there's always been consequences to the actions that he chooses in, in being a superhero. And mm. I thought that I've always thought that's neat. And aside from the quirky jokes and stuff like that, right. His overall mentality has always been a struggle like with this stuff about wanting to do good and, and save everybody he can, but at the same time realizing, accepting that there is, um, there is consequences to what he's doing. And it's, it was a good parallel, you know, that carried through all the franchises and stuff. But he's also been around for for like forever. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's uh, he's always been Marvel's poster boy essentially, which is great. You know, I figured the MCU stuff would have started like with a Spider-Man movie. You would think. I think that they've tried that in the past before, and it just it's such a hard character to do because again, you do have to have somebody who can to do it right. You have he has to be able to swing uh, across buildings, and like he doesn't really have a low key villain. Like they're all fairly over the top between. Dr. Octopus, Electro, uh, Venom especially, or Sandman, where you if you did it too early, you just the technology just wasn't there. Either you have to go animated for it, which mm. again, then you you kind of lose some of your audience then, who's going to be like, oh, because uh, Into the Spider-Verse wasn't around yet to do it correctly, or um, or it's going to look really cheesy and shitty. Yeah. Like Spider-Man 3. <laughs> <laughs> where they just get it completely wrong, except for Sandman. Yep. <laughs> well, there's some <laughs> casting issues on that side, too. I don't know who thought Eric from that 70s show would be the ideal Venom, but... <laughs> See, I think I think the casting for what they were trying to do actually, to me, made sense. I think they were trying to go... They weren't going to go comic book version because that, that Eddie Brock, no way in hell. But I think they were trying to go for more of a antithesis for it, too, where you have another scrawny geek, but who's who doesn't have Peter Parker's integrity mm. or to, like... Um, somebody who's willing to cut corners or trying to get the girl by like not through being a good person, but just by being almost like a con artist. Mm. So I, I think from the casting standpoint for, I think it, it was, I was actually one of the people who still supported Toby Maguire for it. But then it, once he actually put on the suit and it was just like, Oh God, it was just the, <laughs> the moment he became venom. It was just everything after that point was just wrong. Yeah. Mm. I wish um, that the, the suit wouldn't have, uh, just been a black variation of like his normal suit. I wish they would have gone the actual more organic looking, you know, living symbiote like like what it is. 
Or like it's yeah. always portrayed in the comics and stuff like that, it's a jet black suit with the big white spider on it instead of just like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm an edgelord now, right? <laughs> I went and dyed my outfit black. <laughs> yeah, it was, there was a lot of mistakes for it. And apparently the the, uh, the studio was really pushing for it because initially it was only supposed to be uh, Sandman and the end of the, the Goblin sort of story arc. But then the, everyone's like, oh, they, people want Venom, people want Venom. It's like, uh, like yeah, okay. So that, that's why it does feel so shoehorned in and why there's no like love or attention was put in, into it. Um, that, and, that uh, yeah, you can definitely tell he was a last minute addition in that because it just convolutes the whole story. Like just, yeah. it, there's all three of those characters, the between James Franco's uh, Harry um, and Topher Grace's uh, Venom and I, the name escapes me for the guy that plays the Sandman, right? But they all had their own stories that if they were more focused on would have been great and you could have felt like some kind of, you know, emotion or whatever toward them. But because they're like, well, let's just throw all three of them in the movie at the same time. You get that random ass battle scene at the end of the movie where Spider-Man's fighting Venom and then all of a sudden he's fighting Sandman and then Harry's throwing fucking pumpkin bombs everywhere and it's just chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and not in the good way. Right. And I, the the part that drives me nuts was like there was a good movie in there. If nothing else, uh, the actor was Thomas Hayden Church, by the way, uh, who played Sam. Oh, like his arc was actually like really good in terms of just how he portrayed. It. He just portrayed it as such a tragic character of somebody who just wanted to see his daughter. He got stuck into that accident, and the scene where like after he's gone through uh, goes through the accident when he's first trying to solidify himself, he's just trying to pick up his daughter's locket, oh. and just couldn't do it, and just the music playing like. It's a really good scene. Yeah. Um, just surrounded by a lot of bullshit where they try to retcon like who actually killed Uncle Ben and all the other nonsense stuff. If they just maybe just kept it as he was the getaway driver uh, who was part of that whole thing, you could still have an arc where, where Toby Maguire slash Peter Parker is conflicted because like, granted, this is not the guy who directly pulled the trigger, but he was the guy who like he was associated with it. And so there could be that still the idea of like the temptation for it too. And they could have maybe set it up for at that point then for like the, like the Spider-Man three could have ended with the symbiote attaching to Peter mm. um, oh, yeah. or something like that to, to then lead into. Cause then they could have had a movie to at least introduce Eddie Brock. Like they, they could have done a lot of stuff with it. But they just did not do it because again, that was just, that wasn't the point that they were going for it. Um, and it, the Andrew Garfield films, um, the only reason that they exist was because Sony was about to lose the license for Spider-Man. And so they had to pump something out quickly Otherwise, it, it would have gone back to Marvel. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So, yeah. So that's a movie that was made out of necessity versus like, hey, we have a good story that we want to pull off. Well, I like the I like the two story arc between him and uh, him and Gwen Stacy. I think I, some of the stuff was a little wonky, right? Just the pacing for the movies and stuff was kind of funky. The whole storyline for the lizard was definitely could have been handled better. <laughs> yeah. But the underlying story of like this teenage romance stuff between him and and Gwen Stacy that inevitably ends with her demise and stuff like that in the second one. I, th- I thought it was well done between Andrew Garfield and, uh, and Emma Stone there. Yeah. And I think uh, it helped that because they were dating at the time too, that it helped kind of like build the romance. But... Oh yeah, definitely. And even with that, the, after we, that happened and we got the reboot with the Tom Holland ones, I was a little skeptical going into it, but you know, it, it came out really good. I feel. And then Sony's building their own separate, you know, Spider-Verse without Spider-Man in it with the Venom movies, uh, <laughs> which that Venom movie was 
the first one was great. I thought it was going to be a little funky. I thought we were getting another Spider-Man 3. <laughs> yeah. But I really enjoyed... Uh, what is his name? This is saving me. Tom Hardy? Yeah, Tom Hardy. I really enjoyed Tom Hardy's um, portrayal of Eddie Brock in that movie where you know he's just a, a gritty reporter, right? Freelance reporter just getting the scoop no matter what. And uh, yeah. I was like, was he gritty? <laughs> He was very, he's very tough, I guess, would say. Like, he's going to get the story no matter yeah. what. And then the symbiote to, to join up with him and kind of uh, amplify his emotions to a degree was pretty nice. And seeing the internal struggle between him and uh, the symbiote itself as it just wants to go and devour everything. And he's more like, whoa, 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 whoa calm down there for a second. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Like, I was surprised. Like, I went into that movie with very, very low expectations for it because, like, the critic uh, critics were not kind to that film at all. And I can honestly see from a from a pure, like, storytelling standpoint, there, it's uh, it. If somebody says like that is a bad film, I would say like yeah, it totally is. But I still really like it. it. Is I think it's a very fun but very dumb film. Like I I I was somebody who I tried on multiple occasions to read uh, Spider Man comics. I I genuinely wanted to get into the character. I just never could. Yeah. Um. It was just never a story. Uh, it was never a character I could just get into for more than just a like a a couple of hours kind of thing. So like a movie for me for Spidey was perfect. But like reading the comics, yeah. I could never do it. Um. But I did know enough about the lore, um, like I, I and I did read uh, some of Agent Venom, like when Eddie Brock had uh, joined the military, and uh, they were actually able to control the Venom suit for short bursts. Like that was a really good story arc because it, it, there was a, these moments where, like, at this point, uh, Eddie had like lost his leg, so he's actually a uh, he's going through like the VA and he's kind of like having to deal with being a broken hero in real life. But then when he gets actually put on the Venom suit, like he gets to feel that power again too. And then the, the suit kind of constantly keeps tempting him to, you know, you know, we could go farther. We can do more stuff. We can, uh, you know, we can go beyond our parameters and do some shit and cause some real damage. Mm. And then like Eddie's really kind of tempted a lot of times too. But again, he's, uh, but by this point he's more conflicted than he is evil. So he's having to push back, but like seeing that dynamic of where he's like the, the big damn hero at one point, And then the next moment he's just broken. Yeah. was really good. And having read that first and then going to see Venom where it's, it plays much more, I think lighthearted. Like this, this should have been an R rated film. Like Venom should have absolutely been R rated. Oh yeah. But to see them like kind of played a lot safer, I think caused a lot more of the problems I'm... for it. But like that being said, it's still like, I've seen the film multiple times. Cause I, I had a lot of fun watching it. But it, like it's it's kind of like um, like the Constantine film. Like I think it's a good film, but it is not a Constantine film. It's like Constantine adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, you're trying, but you're trying. You're not doing it correctly. Yeah, um, <laughs> just not. That's what I felt with Venom too. Yeah, like with Venom was like you're cl- you're. I see what you're going for. What you made was entertaining, but that's not Venom. That's not Eddie Brock. Mm. <laughs> I look forward to the second one to see how that I am too. See how that plays out uh, with Carnage and everything like that. I hope that they do Carnage justice there. Um, I always thought Carnage was an interesting, interesting character. He is like he's the, he's the version of like Eddie Brock that like doesn't ever get the redemptive arc. He's the one. He's the guy who's like I'm just going to murder because I enjoy it. Like I've just flat out. So like when the symbiote attaches to him, he's like yes all the way. I you, I am in this for like the long Hulk, I will put a ring on it right the fuck now. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and then I'm, I'm also looking forward to seeing what they're doing with the, 
uh, universe as a whole, right? Like I want to see the the Jared Leto's Morbius to see how that works yes. and, and and see how all this stuff is gonna inevitably tie in with each other, right? Like this extended contract for Spider-Man with the MCU and everything is it's a little a little gray as to like yeah. how how that's gonna work, but obviously they're building up for him to eventually come back, whether it be Tom Holland or it be somebody else in the spider suit. I mean, there's references to Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in uh, Morbius, right? So yeah, like no, it's, it has Michael Keaton's character uh, Adrian Toomes, so, so the Vulture. So it's tied into the Tom Holland universe, not Tobey Maguire. But then it has that reference on the wall when Jared Leto's walking. That is the Spider-Man from the uh, uh, Tobey Maguire movie. So it's, oh, I didn't it's, see that. One. Yeah, it's it's a weird, you know, mixture of of the universes, right? So it, who knows what we're really gonna get with it. Uh, but it'll, it'll be fun to see how it all shakes out eventually. Oh, that's right. That I, I just pulled up the screenshot. Yeah, because they're using the Tobey Maguire uh, version of Spider-Man on the uh, on the wall there. So yeah, so it might be a weird mixture of the two. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I, I've 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 talked about this before, like on Twitter. I've talked about this before on Discord too. Like a lot of people give Jared Leto a lot of shit, and his Joker was awful. Like hands down, <laughs> is probably the worst Joker. <laughs> I like him though. <laughs> I like him as an actor a lot. Yeah, like I I do too. Like he gets a lot, a lot of shit for stuff. But like I liked him in Blade Runner 2049. Like I really like his band 30 Seconds to Mars too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, like I, in general, I tend to like actually be a, a pretty big fan of the guy. Like he's super weird, of course. But yeah, like I, I think he gets a lot more shit than he deserves. Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, he's very talented and people, you know, think he's just a pretty face. And that's yeah. not the case. Like he's had like four or five albums, and for the most part, they're all fairly decent. And but like, I still like the fact that like, especially Hollywood is saying like this motherfucker is going to be a superhero in one way or the other because it sure as hell wasn't Joker. So they're trying again now with Morbius. Yeah. Like if this doesn't work, it's like screw it. We're we're bringing back Iron Man. We're gonna give this a shot again. Who knows? <laughs> it's like God damn it, he's gonna be a comic book hero. <laughs> one way uh, or another. But yeah. yeah, like we actually have not heard about the Mor- Morbius film in forever too. Well, I think it was, it was pretty close to coming out, and then it got pushed back. So, I mean, at this yeah. point, it's, it's pretty much just waiting a release date. Hopefully, it doesn't go, um, you know, New Mutants are out or anything where it gets delayed for a long time, and it's got some patchy old release schedule and all that. But yeah, uh, that, that one was a, a a cluster too. I I actually still genuinely want to see New Mutants because I've I've heard like it did not deserve the amount of hate the studios have given it. Like it's, I think the when that movie first came out, they were saying like it's absolutely unwatchable. It's a huge mess. And a buddy of mine actually did see it when it, uh, when it had the limited release in theaters. And so, like, it's fine. It's not going to wow you completely, or it's not going to be a game changer, but it definitely does not deserve the hate that it got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to watch that. It looked interesting, right? I've seen a couple of clips of it and stuff. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. I like Macy Williams. You know, it'd be good to see her outside of Arya Stark. <laughs> yeah. Especially after that last season. Oh, yeah. That- we don't talk about that. Nope. <laughs> Spring never came, right? <laughs> um, overall, that's that's what it is. I like Spider Man for the reasons I touch base on there. Um, just real, real good connection to the character. Really enjoy the universe and stuff like that. Uh, so, Chris, what about you? Who's your favorite superhero? So, I grew up like as a Batman fan. Um, like, I I love the Michael Keaton films and. Um, 
the Christopher Nolan stuff, I was I was a huge fan of as well too. Like I still even stand by Dark Knight Rises. It's not a perfect film, but I still think it's still pretty entertaining overall. Mm. Um, but in terms of like, if I had to pick a overall, um, it's going to be Daredevil. Like I t- I tend to gravitate a lot more towards the superheroes that are more like heightened than they are um, like genuinely like these like the over the top characters like Spider Man or Superman or even to this point, but even Batman now too. I think it can be. A, a little it has his moments being over the top, but like Daredevil to me has always been a much more grounded character. Um, like I loved, loved the Netflix uh, show. I hated uh, what's the, the the Defenders like collaborative uh, series. I thought that was absolute garbage. But the uh, the actual Daredevil three seasons that we got on Netflix, I thought was absolutely incredible and really did the character justice. Okay. And honestly, like if you ever see the Ben Affleck director's cut of Daredevil, it's still a bad movie, but it's a much better film. Like the director's cut actually gives it a lot the uh, the character a lot more time to breathe, but it, it's it's still pretty bad. Um, but I dig it. I like I actually I've always liked that character. Uh, I still read uh, Daredevil comics to this day. I've read quite a few of the uh, of the major story arcs for it. Yeah, like just the idea of a character who who kind of is like a Spider Man where he does make tons of mistakes for it too, but he where I think where Spider Man is much more lighthearted for it. Uh, um, Daredevil has deals a lot more of the guilt because. Um, He's tied to his faith a lot more too, so he's you know he, he struggles a lot of times with like his Catholic upbringing with the amount of violence that he actually does incur. Oh wow! Yeah, like uh, that is one thing. At least the Ben Affleck version did too. Like they did also make at least make some references to uh, to his faith. And uh, the the Netflix TV show I think did a much better job, of course, because that it was just an overall better product. But yeah, like if you ever do watch the, like either one of those and you see scenes where like Matt is talking to a priest or a nun, like that is a a very common thing that happens in the comics okay. do like where he will go to a church and he will not completely confess, but he will kind of share his burdens with uh, members of the clergy. They make that more of a cr- critical part of him to this day. Still a fan of Daredevil. Um, Constantine to me, I was also the kind of the same thing. Somebody who is a warlock. He, he has magical capabilities, but he more than anything else, he's a con man, which I think is, uh, I think a lot more interesting. Mm. Um, like the, the few Hellblazer comics I have read, his solutions are less having to do with, with violence and more having to do with, his cunning. Okay. So again, like I, characters like that. Um, and those who are maybe a little more conflicted too. And again, the, probably the most like shit on Avenger Hawkeye. Um, everybody <laughs> shits on Hawkeye, <laughs> but uh, there are some, com- like there's a comic arc that was, that came out a few years ago. That was just incredible. It was just like when Hawkeye wasn't an Avenger, when he was just being Clint Barton, the, the divorcee screw up uh, who is uh, happens to be a fantastic archer. Like what, what's he doing when he's not traveling the world, saving uh, everybody? Like he's just kind of a screw up. And uh, again, I I like the dichotomy of that too, where it's just somebody who's in these very huge, like out of this world situations. And he's just trying to make the best of it. He's just trying to survive. Um, I kind of like that mentality. Like the, when you saw like age of Ultron, where uh, he's trying to give Scarlet, Witch like that pep talk about like, yo, okay, this is flying. We're fighting an army of robots and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes any sense. Uh, <laughs> like, that line to me absolutely epitomizes Hawkeye to me of just somebody who's like, this is super fucked up. I'm here to, cause I can do, I can, I can do some good. We're going to see how this plays out. <laughs> like I've, I really, really like that sort of thing. But uh, to me, I think daredevil does it probably, I think the best overall of, uh, of being somebody who is put in extraordinary circumstances, who is complicated. Um, and who also kind of realizes too, like he is also somebody who like, and Hawkeye does, has the same sort of arc with the two. Like he causes a lot of his own problems with his own screw ups. Yeah. Too. 
Um, and I and I kind of like, and I think that's one thing that Hawkeye, Daredevil, and Constantine all kind of share is like sometimes they are their own worst enemies because their own screw ups end up causing more damage sometimes. Yeah, I could see that. I really liked that uh, Daredevil show on Netflix. I thought it was really well done. And oh, I so, so think good. Uh, John Bernthal's uh, Punisher that came out of the mm-hmm. second season and ended up having its own series. I thought he he played that part very well. Yes, he did. Yeah. The crazy part though, too, like I had never seen John Barenthal in anything else other than just playing like these hardcore badass characters. Uh, and I went to go to a comic expo, and he was there get, doing a talk with the guy who plays Foggy. Uh, from the show too. And it is the strangest thing in the world to hear him talk in his regular voice. Cause that motherfucker is hardcore California surfer dude all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and to hear him just speak naturally. And it's like, wait a minute, like something's wrong here. <laughs> That's awesome. And not, not to go back to the well for it too, but it's, it also would be like if Clint Eastwood sounded like Spicoli from fast times, Richmond high, like <laughs> something's not right here. It's one of those nice reminders. Like, Oh yeah, these guys are all actors. I didn't. Uh, I didn't watch the third season of that uh, Daredevil on Netflix, though. It was fantastic. It was so so good. And I can't get into the. Uh, I couldn't ever get off the, the spinoffs themselves. I mean, Defenders aside, I couldn't get into like Jessica Jones or, or Luke Cage or anything like that. I, I don't know. It just never resonated with me, right? They were slow burns, and they were different kinds of superhero films, though. Too like uh, Jessica Jones was a lot more about like recovering from trauma. Um, I, I loved, it. I really, really, really enjoyed Jessica Jones. Uh, Luke Cage, same thing too. Luke Cage was just same thing, a very slow burn, but if you kind of go into it, knowing that it is meant to be like full episodes are just gonna be about character development and less so about the action. It's, it's was genuinely like pretty, pretty fantastic. Like the, the last episode of season one of uh, Luke Cage was a little hokey, but overall though, it was, it was genuinely like really fantastic. It had a, such a great soundtrack too. Like I loved the soundtrack to Luke Cage. Um, Iron Fist was just a disaster from uh, start to finish. It was just an absolute train wreck of a show. I hated, hated, like, I think like most people, I hated Iron Fist. <laughs> yeah, I did not ever uh, see anything very positive about that at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a terrible show. You have a Kung Fu master who gets his ass kicked by henchmen. It was so bad. <laughs> this has a million dollar storyline right there. Yeah, just, oh my God. <laughs> And say so they like I, I was excited for the idea that they were going to do an Iron Fist uh, show too because again it's a it was a more of the characters uh, from the Defenders like he was the most fantastical because it's about like martial arts and channeling your chi and a giant fucking dragon and <laughs> then we got what we got and it was just there there's no positive for it that was a bad show that was not thought out TV shows for superheroes in all are, are pretty hit or miss right like uh daredevil obviously is great and the other ones not so much uh and then you look on the dc side of it and the first couple seasons of arrow uh was great first couple seasons of flash was great uh first couple seasons of legends of tomorrow was really good uh, i still and, love all of legends of tomorrow and, and then and then everything kind of goes side sideways i think the last couple seasons of arrow just it just kind of went too far. But off, do you, you think it's I mean? because they're trying to keep something going that ran its course? Yes. Because I, I find that happens so often where, you know, the first season basically, you know, was the whole story. And then it was so well received that they're like, oh, let's make a second season about, I don't know. You know, it's it's like there's no thoughts into it. Yeah, yeah they just like keep, yeah. keep spitting it out. And also, too, like some of the, 
I, I feel like some of the storylines, right? One, for one, they always inject some love interest. It always becomes a central template, like in yeah. instance for Arrow, it's always Felicity, right? Um, but, and then they take a storyline that would probably do well on the big screen, like all the stuff with Rajah Ghoul and all that and, and Arrow, and they just try to break it up into a season. But at the same time, they're developing the love story and all the other characters that they've created. So you end up getting these rush finished products toward the end, which have their moments of like greatness and stuff, but uh, they just overall fall flat of what they were trying to actually do. Yeah. Um, Smallville was a really good example of that too. Cause like that, that show started off so strong and had such a great first few seasons. Mm. And then they just took it way too far. And it was just, was too damn long. Cause that, that show was supposed to end by the time like Clark was go- like going off to like college. Like it was supposed to be him just in like his time in Smallville, but the show was doing really well that they decided to like, okay, well, let's also like, let's do his college years too, which is like, yeah, but that's the thing. Uh, okay. It's, it, it, there yeah. isn't really a story there, but yet they yeah. are, you know, trying to piece something together that just doesn't make any sense. It's like they can't just let a program run its course and end magnificently. It's almost like they have to rehash the thing and beat it to death, you know. <laughs> I don't understand that. That is so weird to me. Yeah. Because it just it's it, at that point it's about revenue than it is anything else. It's not it's not about generating a good product. It's just like hey, people are still willing willing to watch. Uh, yeah, is, but it's sad. It is, yeah. Um, which again is one of the reasons why I think I still really like Legends of Tomorrow too. Because like it's a weird fucking show. Oh yeah. And you can definitely tell they've had to cut the budget a lot because like a lot of the episodes uh, don't even have the the main characters like wearing their like iconic costumes anymore. They're just having to wear like period pieces because that's quite a bit cheaper. Versus having them wear like these elaborate like pieces, like so they save those for like the crossover episodes. But again, like it's more to do with budgeting than I think it is sometimes with stories for a lot of the stuff. Like this, what worked before may have worked because they are expected to work for maybe like one or two seasons, and they're like, oh wow, exactly. we're going to keep going. Yeah. Well, how can we st- how can we still be profitable while still like by being a little more cost efficient? Like, what's all the expensive stuff? All the CG stuff? Okay, then we'll just take all that stuff out. Yep. Oh, he's got he's got an army of two hundred. Oh, we don't got money for that. He's got an army of about 10 guys that are going to fuck some shit up. In a warehouse. <laughs> yep. He's going to take, take out the city, starting at that old abandoned warehouse where we can conveniently film everything in one shot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That is like the CW's entire thing. It's like everything's in a warehouse. Yep. Always somebody tied up and all that stuff. <laughs> yep. I mean, and it, not only the TV shows always constrained by budget, right? But also the movies. I mean, if you look at like Captain America Civil War, like you, you think the way the comic is, where all the superheroes are there and they have some, it, it's a real dark story about, you know, uh, the Superhero Registration Act and all that stuff and Captain America and Iron Man's back and forth with that whole thing. But you got tons of heroes on one side of it and tons of heroes on the other. So when you get those climactic battles, it's huge things and huge consequences and, you know, a, a clone of Thor and all sorts of crazy shit. And then you get what you got in the movie <laughs> because one, they hadn't fleshed out the storyline yet. And two, I'm pretty sure on budget, you end up getting 10 people running at each other at an airport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, yeah, for me, I honestly just took that more like, like I read Civil War as well too, and but I think I think it had more to do with story than anything else because again, like to your point, you don't have to worry about setting up a universe at that point because you've already spent the last few decades doing that, so you can have the big over the top scenes for that, 
they haven't done that yet with the MCU. They're like they haven't introduced a lot of the other fantastical characters yet, or they haven't gotten to the point where they were getting like what they're doing with Endgame and uh, Infinity War. So you kind of don't have a choice. You can't have this over the top, big bombastic, like fifty on fifty like battle royale, like because you you haven't established that many characters yet for it. I think if they made if that was like a phase like seven sort of film, I think it it would have been a little bit better. But yeah, it, I think it had less to do with budget and more to do with just like. You, you, that, that can't be how you introduce like 50 new uh, heroes either. Yeah, yeah. You can't have a, a bunch of new people. Hey, that dick sense, uh, Daredevil. <laughs> what are you doing here is like, I could hear injustice going on. Like, it just, it, it would have been terrible if they did something like that. I was trying to catch my flight and it was delayed. <laughs> yeah. So, what's going on over here? <laughs> oh, man, Civil War was such a good uh, comic story, too. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I went back after uh, I watched the movie and stuff like that and wanted to read it and read through all that. And I was like, oh, man, this is so good. <laughs> you know, like you're saying, the, the way that the end of Endgame was is like how Civil War technically should have went, right? But you just don't have all the characters. It kind of worked out in Endgame because it's like, let's have Black Panther uh, and his guard and his sister and then 10,000 extras that are all just dressed up in tribal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Howard the Duck. Yeah, and Howard the Duck. Because he, he was totally in that. <laughs> He's right in the middle of it all, right? Yep. And then just open a couple portals and just file in as many extras as you can. <laughs> yep, and it worked. It totally worked. Oh, it did. I watched that movie like two weeks ago, and I get, I get the chills every time, right? Whenever the mm-hmm. portals start opening up and then everybody's there. Oh, man. Yep. Like, that. that was the first movie where I cried multiple times at the theater, and then on the way home. Absolute I, I, masterclass of filmmaking right there. I teared up in that movie, too. <laughs> yeah. After those damn portals opened, it was like he opened up all the portals, everybody came through, and then he opened one last portal that was the floodgate of my tears. Because <laughs> yep. I was just so stoked, you know? And all of a sudden, everybody's fighting, and I'm like, fuck, I'm stoked. I'm on the edge of my seat, and any corny line they could fucking throw at you, like just fit in that moment because I was just so pumped up. Like the whole, you know, uh, all the women in CU fighting to get the gauntlet into the truck and stuff while Spider-Man's all fucked up. And uh, it just, all that stuff, it just hit me, all of it. The teardrop yeah. for every single scene. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was the superhero equivalent of Coco. Just really hit yeah. you in the field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you watch all those movies, right? And just come in like on the tail end of it and you just, Start from the very first Iron Man and work your way through. Like that buildup for that moment was just fucking perfect. All right, so th- those are some of our favorite superheroes, and that also wraps things up for this week's episode. So join us next week as we talk about one of Disney's lesser-known films, The Reluctant Dragon. If you like what you hear, share this podcast with your friends and come hang out with us on social media. Links are posted down below in the show notes. We're your hosts, Chris, Julian, Mia. <laughs> As always, stay safe, stay sane, and geek out.